0: Well, as we go through the book of Acts, we see the early church and what the Lord is doing as he makes this this incredible living organism of his people in the church. We're able to see the way in which the Holy Spirit calls and enables and equips the saints and and the the great work of of literally thousands of people coming to know Christ, believing upon the gospel in the early church as the word goes forward the the way in which the Holy Spirit's working in the lives of the people to where they're selling things they're giving of their tithes and offerings they're taking what they have as far as those that have plenty and giving so that those who are in need, have every need met. And we just watch God work in an awesome way. A, a church that's functioning properly, a church that's, that's functioning in such a way that, that, that there's genuine love going towards one another. Um, the way in which we should be as a body, the way in which we should hope that we are, as far as loving one another, caring for one another, we see people healed in incredible ways and more and more people coming to know Christ. We see boldness as they go and proclaim the gospel and, and, and even willing to, to be beaten or willing to go to prison or willing to be put to death for the sake of the gospel. But just when you think that this church is as close to perfect as it possibly could be, you see Ananias and Sapphira and, and here's these, these, these two, husband and wife, and they're, they're they're probably singing that last song, you know, I surrender all, hands raised, saying like we're giving everything that we have, we've sold a property, we're giving everything to the Lord, and yet they withheld some of it, although they told everybody we're giving everything, and we're told that, that they're told you, you didn't let him in, but you, you lied to the Holy Spirit. That There was impurity that was there. And husband comes in and dies. God takes his last breath away from him, and he dies. And three hours later, his wife comes in. She also lied, dies. Ironically, I don't know if this is the case, this is the reason, but after I preached on that text a few weeks ago, the next week was like the biggest tithe we've had in a long, long time. <laughs> it was like double normal, and and... and I just thought, like you know, probably like wives are writing second checks. Like, dude, you, you, you're on your own. Okay, I'm gonna take care of business. I'm not gonna die on account of you. Um, it really was a bigger tie than normal, but it, 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 there's just a desire for purity within the church, as the church sees how serious God takes their sin. And and for us as well. We go from there to see God work miraculously in through the disciples, through the apostles as they're thrown into prison and angel comes and sets them free and they go right back to the temple proclaiming the gospel once again and it's and it's amazing. Well from there we come to chapter 6. And, and going into chapter 6, we know that the apostles are just resolved to preach the gospel. But it tells us in, in chapter 6, we see more of, of the failures within the church. It says, Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So stop there for a moment as we consider our text. There's a problem that now has emerged in the church. There's within the church two groups of people. The Christians that came from a Hebrew background and the Christians that came from a Greek Hellenistic background. So you have those that would be using the Septuagint, those that that were the Hellenists, and you have those that would have been speaking Greek and those that would have been, reading from hebrew scriptures and they had been those that had been living in israel and had been in israel not those that have come in at a later time that which under roman rule which would be the hellenists and so you have christians that have been saved but they're they're kind of they're both jews but they've come from two different backgrounds and they're all within the same church just like a church like ours we we have all different kinds of people here probably far more so than what they had there and that you live in Southern California and you have a half Japanese pastor. I guarantee you that probably was not the case there. You, you, you see that, that that there's just a huge variety of people here within our church. But in this particular church, they're there and, and for whatever reason, there's these two groups of widows and the widows are being cared for. But there's a daily distribution that goes out as far as the food that would go out to the widows or financing that would go out to the widows. They they took it very seriously to to provide for widows, to provide for orphans, to provide for those that were in need. And so the daily distribution is going out, but they're looking and it may have been something that was presumed that, that the Hellenists weren't getting as much, or maybe it was actually the case that they weren't getting as much. But for whatever reason... This is occurring. Now you have to remember that that when you think of any church, ours included, that we have three different enemies. We have the world, we have our own flesh, and we have Satan. We're told in in Ephesians chapter 6, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so you, you know that the devil and his demons are fully active in the early church to do whatever they can to destroy that church. Uh, they're going to come at them with persecution, which sometimes will... Increase the work that's taking place within the church. Sometimes they'll come at them in in, in other areas, but in this particular text, what we find in this particular situation is that there is complaints that's emerging within the congregation. They're Christians. Frequently you find within churches the greatest damage that's done is within the church. Divisions that take place within churches where there's splits that occur. And it starts from somebody complaining, many people complaining, people thinking it should be done this way or it should be done that way, or this isn't fair or that's not fair or why did they get that or why is that person doing that and I want this or I want that. And you find that within a church you could have great, great division That occurs from within from us and it's one of the ways in which the enemy can work well their widows are presumed to be neglected in the daily distribution so the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said it is not desirable that we should leave the word of god and serve tables Stopping there just for a moment as well. In verse 2, here's the disciples. They get together, and obviously it's being looked to them as far as do something. Do something. You have these widows, and some aren't getting the same amount as others. You guys need to be the ones to distribute the daily needs, and, and, and you give to the widow so that we make sure that they all get the exact same amount. And the disciples are there just saying it's not desirable that we should leave the Word of God to do that, to serve tables, to be those that are distributing the food, to be those that are in a place of giving to their daily needs. It's not desirable that, that we leave the Word of God to do that. See, they, they had a, a very clear position within the church, and their function was primarily the proclamation of God's Word. Therefore, Brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Pick from yourselves seven people. And make it so that these people are the ones that go and give to the widows, are there to to distribute the food, are there to give the money that they need. Pick seven people and make it so that they are those that have a good reputation, they're full of the Holy Spirit, and they have wisdom. That's what the criteria should be for those that are caring for the widows. This text doesn't tell us that these are elders. It doesn't tell us that these are deacons. It just says, pick seven people from amongst yourselves, and they need to be those that have a good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. But for us, we're going to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We'll come to that, back to that in a moment. In verse 5, it says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenus, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. These seven names, one thing that's noteworthy among these seven names is that they are all Greek, they're all from what would be that Hellenist group. It's awesome because you, you see within this particular church, they're, they're saying, okay, they've been, they, they told us to pick seven, and, and they could have just gone and said, okay, well, let's pick seven that are Hebrews. Let's pick seven that are, that are Greeks. Let's pick seven or half that, I'm sorry, pick, pick three of one and pick four of the other or five of one and two of the other. Let's make it so that it's, it's, there's good representation here between all of them. And the church just said, for whatever reason, no let's pick seven that are from amongst those widows. Let's make it so that there's no doubt as far as that it's fair. Let's make it so that they know that we trust them. The Hebrews would have been by far the majority of the people there, but they're saying, let's pick seven amongst the Hellenists. Let's make it so that they're the ones that oversee it. It's incredible because you see a love that's there within the body, that just says, we trust you. We're sorry that it appears this way, or we're sorry that it is this way, or it's been this way. Let's make it so that it's it's 100% fair as far as your widows are cared for as much as the Hebrew widows, and let's make sure that everybody's needs are being taken care of. And so these seven are picked. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Back to to verse four. Here we're told, as we look at the disciples, there within the church, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I wanted to, to focus on that for a while this morning because when you think of, your pastor here, your elders and other pastors that are here within our congregation. Um, There is a need for us to to be focused on certain things. For me, as the primary preaching pastor that preaches on Sunday morning, my primary purpose is the ministry of giving myself continually to prayer into the ministry of the word it must be that way it has to be that way it it, it must be such that that we uh, function like this this is our example this is what god says it needs to be that that as those that are serving you with, with teaching, whether it be men's ministry or women's ministry or youth ministry or young adults ministry or whatever it is that, that there is a heart that is continually being given over to prayer and to the ministry of the word. My focus needs to be that. We have so many things taking place here within our congregation. And if the, the thought was, well, the pastor should be doing that. I, I would never have time for the Word. If, if I met with every person that wanted to meet exactly when they wanted to meet, there is no way that I would ever have time to study, that I'd ever have time to prepare. And my biggest priority is the proclamation of the Word here with you on Sunday morning. We've had 604 Sunday mornings since this church has begun. 604, I started a little over 10 years ago. And during that time, there's been countless hours that are given every single week to sermon preparation, studying the word, praying for you, loving on you, caring for you. And it needs to be that way. They begin by saying prayer. Giving yourselves continually to prayer. And it's a blessing in that Jim Hendrickson came up to the time of prayer and said, this is the passage that is on my heart as, as, as they came to pray for the service this morning. It was the same passage that Pastor Jim Milligan had in, in his notes to, to give us a call to worship for what we were going to read in the call to worship. And he began reading, and I looked in my notes, and the first passage in my notes was Ephesians 3, verse 14, and following let's turn there for a moment Ephesians 3 verse 14 clearly the Holy Spirit wants us to focus on this for a moment so we'll spend a little bit more time there Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 here the Apostle Paul speaking to the church of Ephesus says for this reason I I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ so for this, this reason I pray from whom the whole family in earth and heaven and uh, heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. so stop in there for a moment it's a prayer for the church it 's the kind of way that I should be praying and your elders should be praying and those that have been given to to continual prayer and ministry of the word, praying for you specifically that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That you be strengthened with might. Not your own might, but the might of his spirit. What an amazing prayer. This is what we ought to be praying for you, for us as a church. Oh, that our congregation would be able to comprehend with all the saints the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. What would that do for us as a church? I mean, if if we're fixed upon his love, if we're fixed upon what He has done for us, if we're fixed upon the love of Christ, it will disseminate through us into worship of Him that's wholehearted. It'll affect our lives in radical ways to where we turn from sin and don't want anything to do with it because of the great love in which He has loved us. It'll affect the way in which we love one another as He has loved us. It'll affect the way that we love those that are lost. It'll affect the way that we function in everything. And and Paul's just saying, this is how I pray. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church of Christ." jesus to all generations forever and ever amen it's the way they prayed that's the way he's praying for the church and so when you you see these the these disciples and they're saying it's 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 it shouldn't be that we're the ones that are distributing these things to the tables but we need to be continually in prayer why because we as a congregation need prayer we need prayer we need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying for you. I know that, that, that for you to love Christ with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind, and with all your strength, for you to know the love of Christ, it doesn't come by how well I put this together. It comes by the Holy Spirit working in your heart to where you see his love, you know his love, and it just surfaces with just incredible adoration towards him and love for one another. It has to be the work of the Holy Spirit to do that within our hearts because that's not the product of man. That is the product of God. It's a word of pray. You find it in other passages of Scripture in in Colossians 1, 9 through 12. For this reason, we also, since the day that we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Don't stop praying for you. That you would be, Filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That this would be taking place that you would just be increasing in God's knowledge, knowing him, knowing about him, knowing what pleases him. This is our prayer that that would take place because it will affect you. If you know God better, the more that you know him, the result will be a love for him. There's never anything that you're ever going to learn about God where you're going to be like, oh, man, I wish I didn't know that about him. His perfections are such that we just fall more deeply in love with him all the time. In Philippians 1.9, it says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We pray for that. That your love would grow for one another. When you read things like in Acts where it's just like, hey, they gave of what they had and distributed so that nobody had any need of anything. You may read something like that and be like, "Mm, I'm not going to do that. But to have a heart that loves like that? We're not saying let's join a commune and everybody sell everything and we'll all move into, you know, one person's house. But the point is that there is a heart that is there that says, I just want to make sure that people are taken care of. We love one another. We care for one another. If someone's lonely, I want to be there for them. If someone needs encouragement, I want to be there for them. I want to walk this life and have that kind of community where we're genuinely caring for one another. And so we pray for that. Because that goes against our nature, right? Our nature says more like every man for himself. But God does a work in a heart that says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I want to care for people. And he does that. And so they're saying, Let's appoint people to these positions so that we could give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I think this is such an important spot to just camp out on for a moment. These pastors, these apostles, these that are teaching are to give themselves continually to the ministry of the word. You hear Paul speaking to young Timothy. And and he says this. You just listen to me for a second. And in First Timothy four thirteen, it says he says to him, "Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Give attention to that." There's people that come into our church and they're just like, "Oh my gosh, you 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 sit down, you sing songs, you read a passage." You pray, you give your tithe, and and, and pray again over that, and and then and then, how long is your time studying the word? This is ridiculous. Like I I am like I want in and out quickly. I, I, the why? I mean, I I, you haven't even shown us any movie clips yet or anything like that, because that's kind of the way that. So much of the church has gone as far as, like, let's entertain them. And then we'll give them, like, this little bite-sized little morsel of a passage of Scripture. Or we'll talk about self-help stuff or how to help you guys emotionally. Everybody feel good, and then we'll leave. But that's not what you find taking place in the early church. They want to give themselves continually to the ministry of The word of the word. So Paul's saying, give attention to reading. We read. We believe that our time reading God's word corporately is an incredible time for us as a congregation to say, thus saith the Lord. That's what God says. We're reading this together, and it is the very breathed out words of God that affects our hearts. We study God's word in exhortation and look at doctrine because it matters. Doctrine matters. Exhortation matters. It matters that it affects you and changes the way that you think because you want your minds to think biblically. You want your minds to know truth because this is what God says. You want your doctrine to come from what does God say. How amazing is it if if you ever we're placed in a position where you were just fed doctrine that, that, that told you that you could lose your salvation at any time. And so your entire life, you've been in a place of, oh man, oh, I, I, I'm going to go walk that aisle again. I'm going to do it again. I, I gotta, probably got to do it every week. And I'll walk that aisle. I'm going to say the sinner's prayer. And I'm going to do this because I probably lost my salvation you know, on my way here. And in your mind, like this is, you're on this performance treadmill where you're, you're trying so hard to just still be okay with God. And then you read passages like, I hold you in my hand, and the Father who's greater than all holds you in his hand, and there's no one that can snatch you away. And then you hear a verse like that, and your thought is like, oh, yeah, but I heard one pastor say, but it doesn't say you can't jump out of his hand. And my response to you is, yes, it does. It says, neither shall you ever perish. You're not going to perish. Or where he says, those that go out from us, because you may be sitting there going like, well, no, I knew Bob, and Bob left. And Bob, that guy, man, he raised his hands, he said the sweetest prayers, he, you know, and he walked away from God, and he wants nothing to do with God. And, and, and that guy, man, if ever there was a believer, that guy was a believer, and, and man, he's, he's, he's been away from Christ for 20 years. And so you base your theology based on your experience, which is a very poor thing to do, because God says they went out from us because they were not of us. If they would have been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out to make manifest that they were never of us. Or where he says, Depart from me, I never knew you. It wasn't, I knew you once, but then you did that one thing. And that threw me for a loop. I mean, I chose you from the foundation of the world, but I never thought you were going to do that. They, To to, to have a doctrine that says, I am the author and finisher of your faith. I began a good work in you and I will be faithful to complete it. When you are faithless, I will remain faithful. I cannot deny myself. When he says that he gives us the Holy Spirit and he seals us until the day of redemption. There's verses like that that bring us to a place as a congregation that being like, that is the sweetest thing I could ever hear. You mean I'm safe? It's not based on how I have performed but it's based on what God has done that I'm saved through faith in him. And Bob went out from us because he was never of us. He looked like wheat, but really he was a terror. He wasn't one of us. Or he would have returned. Because God chastens those that he loves, right? He'll leave the 99 and go and get the one that went astray. Of all that the Father's given him, he'll lose none. There's verses like that that just are so clear, and the ones that would make us ever question. There's such great explanations as to why they are there. The ones that are, I mean, there's just such clarity that you are secure in Christ. But when you give yourselves to doctrine, what does it do? You just you come and you you have sin, and you know there's sin, and you hate your sin, and you confess your sin, and you know he's faithful and just to forgive you, and. You love the fact that he is a father who will never leave you. He will never forsake you, and it changes everything for you. And that's just one doctrine that I just scratched on for a couple minutes. To study doctrine changes everything for us. To know what it is to be washed by the blood of Christ. To know what it is to to have his righteousness been placed on our account. I mean, what a freeing thing it is to think, God will never see you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ more perfectly than He does right now. When you've been in heaven for a billion years and you haven't sinned for like almost a billion years because, well, a billion years plus because you've been there now. So you, you've been there for a billion years. You never sin while you're there. God doesn't love you a billion years from now more than He does right now. He doesn't see you more perfect once you've been. Without sin for a billion years, than he does right now, because you've been clothed with robes of righteousness. It's radical to think about. It changes everything for us when you understand doctrine, when you understand this is what God says, this is what he teaches us. And so these men gave themselves continually to the ministry of the word. You hear, Peter, or Paul is saying to, to Timothy, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. You hear... Apostle saying in Acts 20 in verse 19 that he serves the Lord with all humility with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you I taught you publicly from house to house testifying to Jews and also to Greeks repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ and see now I go bound in the spirit To Jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me except that the Holy Spirit testifies that in every city chains and tribulations await me but none of these things move me nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God and indeed now I I know that you all among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And that's my prayer for myself as a pastor. I don't ever want to to keep back any part of the whole counsel of God to you. We will go verse by verse through Scripture and study verse by verse through Scripture as long as you are here at this church Studying through chapter by chapter, verse by verse, word by word, so that we don't keep back any part of the word of God from you because it changes everything for us. To know God's word, to give ourselves entirely to them, it is for your good that that takes place. And so you find that here with God's people. They're giving themselves entirely to the word of God entirely to prayer and what's the result in verse 7 it says then the word of god spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith the priests were coming to know christ there's a radical work that's taking place and the reason why it's occurring is because they are in prayer They have given themselves to the word of God continually. And the saints are serving in the capacity in which they are called to serve with the gifts in which they have been given. And it has changed everything. A radical work is occurring. I pray that for our church. I believe that it's happening. You, you enable me to spend the majority of my time in prayer and in the study of God's Word. That's what I do. There's a staff that's here that's absolutely phenomenal, that does almost everything that needs to be done on the administrative side. There's elders that are caring for you in just incredible ways, and there's those that are here that are serving in incredible ways to bless the rest of the body and to proclaim the gospel here and abroad. Um, I need you to know that it matters to me more than you could ever imagine that when God tells us that part of the qualifications of even being up here as one of your pastors and elders is that one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? It matters to me that I'm obedient to that. I I want my wife to love the ministry. I want my kids to love the ministry. There's so many pastors' wives and pastors' kids that grow up and they just, they hate the ministry. And their mind is like, you stole my dad for my entire life. And God help us here at this church that that is not the case. We give ourselves entirely to you, but my priority is to make sure my wife is cared for. And that my kids are ministered to. That matters to me. And our marriage is good. Right, honey? (laughs) No pressure or anything. Um, And our kids are a blessing. But part of the reason why is because you enable me to have time for prayer and to be in God's word. And to make sure I have time for my family. It matters. Um, think of the way in which God has worked in Reverence Bible Church. And if you're new here this morning, I, I kind of apologize for this, but I want you to, to just hear some of the things that the Lord's doing. We, we're here, we've been a church for, a little, what, a little, over, well, since 2005. However many years that is. Going on 12. 11 years. And the Holy Spirit has worked in different people's lives to make it so that our church functions. Um, there's been people who have left our church and it's because, well, you guys don't have this. And my, thought, my, my response is like, well, why don't you pray about starting it? And their response is like, I don't really want to do that. And then I want to go someplace where they already have it. But in time, these things occur. Um, we have a food pantry here where people give food and it's full right now like your sayings oversee it see them if there's a need see them there's so much food it's overflowing it it's such a bummer when it expires and nobody uses it see them there's so much that's there there's a helps ministry that provides meals and all kinds of other ways of serving the body but when Tasha had her surgery oh you guys blessed us for so many days I got so much fatter during that time. Like, it, you, you guys just blessed us with meals, and it was incredible. You have people serving in the children's ministry. They're there right now serving. There's BBS camp. There's Kids for Christ. There's Reverence Wrestling, where there's a bunch of boys that get together over there, and there's men from our church, and they're teaching the kids how to wrestle. And they're, they're just, our kids could beat up almost any other church's kids. <laughs> we love it. No, but it's, I'm only kidding. But they're, they're teaching like just good, solid principles of just biblical manly, manhood and what that looks like. And the kids, these kids are just sponges and they're taking it in and they have such incredible role models. We have children's goods and the clothing exchange. I, I don't oversee this stuff. Just so you know, I'm not out there wrestling with the kids and I don't, you don't see me putting tables out and collecting clothes. It's people just saying like, I think there's a need here and Clothes, are they cost a lot, and we can bring our old clothes and bring them here and just bless people. There's the worship ministry, and I don't have anything to do with that. You should be thankful. There's, there's the sound ministry. They don't let me touch that board. There's the greeters ministry, and they're there to bless us and to make you feel welcome. There's a welcome table that welcomes new people. There's a prayer table and a prayer ministry if you need prayer afterwards. There's a security team that's here to keep our children safe and us safe. There's youth ministry. There's young adults ministry. I, I read just what took place this last weekend was the several of the, the young adults where the, they went Friday night and they're under a bridge and by the beach and just worshiping till 4 a.m. underneath that bridge. That's awesome. Awesome. I'm sure you broke some laws by doing that, but it's awesome anyhow. <laughs> love that you're doing that. There's Tabitha's hands that makes quilts for people that need encouragement or that have been hurting. There's men's ministry and men's retreats. There's women's ministry and women's teas and women's retreats. There's Titus II women's ministry. There's family camp. There's the Hallelujah Harvest Festival where we minister to our community. There's different, all kinds of different events that, that take place, which Angela does, and Megan helps with so much of it. And there's people that just serve in these areas. There's building projects and serving projects. There's cleaning ministries where people are just Cleaning and and they bless you. They, the reason why it's clean is because they do these things on a regular basis. There's community groups that meet weekly. I teach one of them, but I'm just I just do one of them. There's guys that are just serving in all kinds of ways with the community groups and men and women serving one another. There's fellowship Fridays that Ted McComb serves with and blesses. You get together one Friday a month and it's just a blessing. There's legacy builders that minister to are more senior members of our church. There's hospital visitations that take place with the Barnabas Visitation Ministry, people that are there to go and to minister and to pray. When, when George came to our church and started that, it was just absolutely phenomenal, because before that, I felt like I got to get to the hospital every single time. But some of you guys go to the hospital on Saturdays, and I'm studying, and I'm trying to get ready, and it's so amazing to have like two or three pastors that go there, and, and George and dr jim lead it and just they they're there and they're ministering to you um missions taking place pastor don's in china right now the road heavers are getting ready to move out to utah and serve as missionaries there. wanting to put together a team to go there this summer to serve there's a group that's going to uganda this summer to serve there's those that go from our church to that polygamous colony in colorado city to minister there's People serving at our church with Blue Letter Bible, a ministry. Some of you don't even know this takes place, but Blue Letter Bible, over 6 million people a year are downloading scripture and sermons. There's over 500 million pages of scripture and study tools that are downloaded every year from this ministry. And I think the majority of their staff goes to our church. Safe Harbor International. There's Steve serving with the Gideon's Bible Ministry. There's all kinds of other various ministries. There's Safe Harbor International Relief. There's, there's a ministry that is, is starting that um, meets here called Lasting Change where they're taking people that come out of prison and serve them and, and minister to them. And they've been working together every single Wednesday. They're here meeting and, and, and going over that. And there's all kinds of missionaries' work that's taking place. There's the website that occurs. Do you know that? that our website and the sermons that are downloaded from our website and, and those that have come from Blue Letter Bible, th- this is radical to me. I, did, I had no idea this was the case. But do, do you know that this year, we will, I think most certainly, from the pastors of our church and their sermons that are on the website, there will be, we will reach the over one million mark of sermons downloaded this year. Over a million sermons. All over the world. I mean, tens of thousands in China, the Middle East. All over the place. Places I've never been. And they're listening to the sermon. It's just radical to think of what takes place. There's people that take care of the finances here of the church. Help to get ready for service here. Marriage and family counseling that takes place. People... Serving Brandon and Carrie that have the homeless ministry and the, a, a store called, called Second Impressions where you give your used clothes and it goes to ministering to homeless people. It is radical to see what's place. And you know what? Like, I don't touch hardly any of it. It's the church functioning the way the church is called to function. The structure of it is there are people that are full of the Holy Spirit good reputation of wisdom and they lead these ministries and we all serve alongside them and we watch what god does and it's just radical as far as the way in which the body functions and you may i, I maybe forgot something on that list and you're offended please don't be offended i just did this like at 3 a.m the the the, 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 the fact is though is that there's all kinds of ministries that are taking place And there may be some where you're like, man, well, you don't have this. Well, then you should think about starting that if you're full of the Holy Spirit and and have a good reputation and you have wisdom. Bring it and we'll maybe put some walls around it and help with it, but to make it so that it flourishes here at the church. But praise God when people use the gifts that God's given them, they stir up the gifts within them, and you allow those that are called to preach the word to have time in prayer and in the study of the word. Also ministering in all kinds of different ways, but our primary purpose is prayer and the study of the word, the ministry of the word. It is for our own good as a congregation, and it is for his glory. Again, I'll close with this. What occurred when these things took place? Verse seven, then the word of God spread. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. It's how a healthy church functions. We need to be more and more like that. Continually growing, continually serving, and watching God work. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the example that's given in Acts chapter six. I pray, Lord, that if there's needs that are here that are not being met. Lord, I I pray that you would stir up within our church those that could help oversee that to make sure that that is taken care of and cared for. I pray, Lord, that there wouldn't be any kind of divisions that occur or hurt feelings that take place because someone said something or someone forgot something. But, Lord, that we would be in a place of just showing so much grace to one another and serving one another. The kind of people that would appoint all Hellenists to oversee those widows. No pride, just humble, loving service one to another. I pray that you would enable us to function in such a way that we are all using the gifts that you've given us. So that we as a church could be built up, edified. So that the gospel could go forward. So that missionaries could be cared for. So that their needs could be attained. I pray, Lord, that you would give each member of our church here great joy as they serve you. Great joy as they serve you. For they're doing it as unto their Savior and for the brothers and sisters that they love. Um, Lord, you know every weakness in our church better than we could ever know. I pray, Lord, that you would take those weaknesses, work with then the saints here through the enabling of your Holy Spirit to extinguish them so that we could shine as brightly as possible, care for one another in such a way that they feel your love and we feel your love and in such a way that your name is most exalted. Now, Lord, please be glorified through the praises, the heartfelt praises of your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.